0: We still had some old sewing machines sitting up in the racks. So Todd and I got together with one of our old sewers and our production manager under a single spotlight in our factory on a Thursday afternoon and we built a mask out of the rolls of microfiber that we had sitting on the racks back there that we used for a lot of our items every single day. And that was on a Thursday afternoon and then on a Friday we met back on a second day and we. Finalized the mask. We took some pictures with my iPhone on a Saturday. Marketing worked with it on a Sunday. And then we launched the mask on Monday. And within a week after that, we had 100% of our employees back up to work.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Johanna Gottlieb with Access Promotion. And today I'm with the VP of Sales of Clearmount, Kate Plummer. She's also my co chair at Promo Kitchen. And today we're going to have a discussion with Jason Emery, who is the VP and co-owner over at Toddy Gear. Jason, welcome and thanks for being with us today.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
1: Tell us a little bit about your background in the industry and what you're doing.
0: Uh, I suppose after about 23 years of doing this, I got to call it a career at this point. But uh, (laughs) Yeah, 23 years in the industry. I did about two years on the distributor side and I've worked for other suppliers in the industry up until about six years ago, where I hooked up with a gentleman by the name of Mr. Todd Gable, and him and I decided to give this Toddy Gear thing a run. The company had already started about 10 years ago, and he had a lot of background in the retail side of the business and, of course, the years that I've had in promo, and we decided to take a run for it with Toddy Gear, and here we are.
1: Awesome. Great company. I know I'm a big fan. Now it's an interesting time to be alive. It's an interesting time to be in this industry. And the last few months have been a whirlwind with the pandemic and people getting prepared to go back to work. I want to talk to you a little bit about what it's been like for Toddy here. And I want to start this with a conversation that sparked on the famous promotional products professionals group page. (laughs) And this is back from May. I'll share with you that I've told other people this story and shared it with clients and other distributors and suppliers just to sort of let people know the impact of the pandemic and safely getting people back to work. So I want to share what you posted in the group. And this was late May, right before Memorial Day weekend. So the kickoff to the summer. And I know looking back, that was sort of the start of businesses opening up again, people feeling like they're getting back into somewhat of a groove. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm going
1: to read your post. Okay. And I quote, please excuse the pre-holiday rant. For those that do not know me, I am one of the co-owners of the supplier Toddy Gear. Our current business is manufacturing USA-made masks in our factory in Illinois. Running a manufacturing facility in these times is especially difficult. Not only do we provide a safe environment for all our employees by taking temperatures and blood oxygen levels daily, monitor their health, create social distancing workstations, and wipe down all workstations and services endless times daily. But in addition to this, we have to produce our distributors' orders. We are in the midst of a pandemic, folks. Everyone needs a mask. We are merely one of many solutions out there who is doing everything collectively to service our customers and the public during these times. PPE is not the same as a promotional product. Masks do not have to arrive in Times Square before the ball drops. Believe me, we are doing everything we can to get your order out the door, and almost all of us are doing so with honest intentions. We are not overbooking ourselves, we are not being as dishonest, and no, our customer service people will not take $500 bribes to get orders placed ahead of others in production. We are running an honest business and doing everything possible in these crazy times to deliver orders on time, and frankly, to keep our employees safe. This week, one of our factory employees approached us and told us they were not feeling well, and we had to tell her to stay home for 14 days before she could return with a doctor's note to clear her. It turns out that this employee drove to work with three other people whom we also had to send home until she provides her note, because if she's infected, those that ride in the car might be as well. Suddenly, in 15 minutes, we are 50% short-staffed in a single-shifts department. On top of that, We are running our machinery harder than we ever had before. Should equipment go down, we cannot get the right parts or even a mechanic to fix the issue in a timely manner due to delays with shippers and the other non-essential businesses' stay-at-home orders. Things take longer, period. We are fortunate to be able to provide a service during these times, but we all must adapt. We all make our customers aware of those trying times to do business, and we all must prepare our customers accordingly. As an owner, I fear that the virus might make its way into our facility. If this were to happen through an employee or a 3rd party vendor working on our equipment for any other reason, we could potentially be required to shut down upon which all orders would be delayed or canceled. Being careful takes time, folks. It takes precision and delicacy. Please understand this. Our CSRs have taken a great deal of abuse lately, and I am sick of it. Please, for our value distributors. Educate your customers accordingly and set realistic expectations so they are not let down. Understand we are doing everything we can. However, sometimes in these times, unexpected stuff happens and getting things back on track takes more time than it did in the past. I hope everyone has a great, restful, peaceful holiday. At Gear, we will be working throughout so that orders can ship on time as scheduled. Thank you for reading. <laughs> so That's the end of the post. And thanks for letting me share that. No. And what came after that was 444 reactions and 152 comments. <laughs> and yeah, I read a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And I really was uh, so happy with the support that you received and a little disappointed to hear about some similar discomforts other people had in, in hearing that people were being a little too pushy. But People seem to be super appreciative and very supportive. And I think you just really opened a lot of eyes, especially to a distributor. And so I really applaud you for posting that. And I want to take you back to May now, now that we're in September, it's September 8th today. Take (sighs) me back to May and that moment and how you came to posting that and what happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, chaotic would be the best way to look at it. I guess if you look back in my career, I've actually worked through two different recessions and you kind of feel somewhat invincible after coming out of those kind of circumstances when you're in a leadership role. But this one, you know, I think it was around probably around March 16th or March 20th when the governor in Illinois put the shutdown. And it was really a point of helplessness. We were doing really well as a company, the best year yet. We had made a lot of substantial investments into this year. And we kind of saw the writing on the wall because of everything that was happening in China, as well as some friendly competitors and industry friends that we have in other places in the world, we kind of heard what was creeping our way. Todd and I had put together kind of a plan A and a plan B based off of what was going to happen. And the plan A was really to shut down, go into hibernation. Plan B was basically just to carry the load of our employees and try to hold out and work through it. After looking at things carefully and when the announcement came out, we thought it was better. At that point, we just kind of had to go into hibernation. We could have remained open because we were considered essential because we were selling products that could be used in the home office. But frankly, the orders weren't coming in. And there's only a certain amount of time that you can actually carry payroll for a few months before at some point you got to look at the reality where there just won't be a toddy gear. And that's really the decision that we were faced with. We had a company-wide conference call. We made an announcement that we were going to furlough our employees with exception of Todd, myself, and a two-person skeleton crew just to wait out. And we did some things from our employees to really help them out. I, I feel good about that and we made a commitment to get everyone back up and running within four weeks, a full month. We were going to just basically figure it out. Those four weeks went by. It was probably about the second or third week in. Things were not looking good. It wasn't going to be a four. We learned quickly this was going to last a long time, and we needed to pivot. We needed to do something big, and coincidentally, You know, we had moved our cut and sew facility down to across the border in Mexico probably about three years ago, but we still had some old sewing machines sitting up in the racks. So Todd and I got together with one of our old sewers and our production manager under a single spotlight in our factory on a Thursday afternoon, and we built a mask out of the rolls of microfiber that we had sitting on the racks back there that we use for a lot of our items every single day. And that was on a Thursday afternoon. And then on a Friday, we met back on a second day and we finalized the mask. We took some pictures with my iPhone on a Saturday. Marketing worked with it on a Sunday. And then we launched the mask on Monday. And within a week after that, we had 100% of our employees back up to work. But you know, we weren't looking at months. We weren't looking at years ahead. We were looking at weeks. How long can we do this? How long is this going to carry us? And we wanted to get everyone back up and running. We had some people that were having problems getting unemployment. And Gear is a small company. We're very closely knit. You know, it wasn't about making money at that point. It was just about creating a place to work. And we realized quickly in the first week that we not only were able to create a place of work, but we were actually able to increase the size of the family. I think when we just before the shutdown, we had about 25 employees. And then within four weeks afterward, we were up to 72. So our responsibility grew tenfold. And what we were doing is we were finding sewers to come in, and we decided we had initial capacity, I think, of 2,000 masks a day, which is not very much. But we wanted to grow and grow quickly in order to not only accommodate our employees but we have an opportunity to get a lot of people in the area back up to work and that's really what our focus was so you know for us it was it was emotional it was very emotional it was about survival but survival for everybody for the group because we didn't see a, a good window of opportunity where things were just going to end and having talking to people in china and mexico shut down soon afterwards and friends in Australia and the UK, they're all going the same thing, and it just wasn't looking good. So we went out and bought a bunch of machinery real fast, made some big investments, and just started producing masks like crazy. And I think within a two or three week time, we were up to about 16,000 pieces a day. But the problem was, everybody needed a mask at that time. So we went from, I want to say, a five or seven day production at that point in time, to all of a sudden we were two months out. And that's based off a six to seven day work week. And people are desperate. Our distributors are desperate. Their customers, the end users were desperate to get these masks in order to remain open, in order to provide a healthy environment. And even with us at the same, we had to provide a, a, a safe place to work for our employees. So it was crazy. I mean, every single day, it was just like reinventing the company. How it felt. We had this product to sell, but we had to be set up for it. We had to find efficiencies. We had all sorts of problems getting materials in and doing it in a way that we can get it and get them out and hit these ship dates it was just something, it was just unbelievable. Truly never been through anything like that before. That Facebook post was after doing that for a month and a half. I think we reconstructed the entire layout of our factory maybe three times by that point because we found holes. We were creating new SOPs and individual kind of fish bowls for our sewers to work out of and our packers to work out of and our people that were printing and cutting, making sure everyone was apart. We were bringing in containers and putting <laughs> inventory in containers so that we could have more room on our production floor. It was crazy. 12, 14-hour days, seven days a week, and we still couldn't keep up. We were still running two months' worth of production. So it was pretty crazy, to say the least.
1: That sounds exhausting. It
0: was. But the way I look at it is we wanted to get everyone back up to work. Again, that was our number one goal. And we wanted to create a place, a safe place for people to work. And allow people to make a living and and honestly get food on the table. And it wasn't about making money for us. It was really about just keeping things going. So we made sure that our employees were getting paid well. We changed our payroll to weekly payroll so that they can get paid often because again, we didn't know how long it was going to last. And again, we went up to about 72 employees and we were running six, seven days a week. And that desperation though, Really started to come out when people, you know, wanted to get their masks. You know, order a thousand masks or five hundred masks. They wanted to get them in hands in about five days, and you're telling them at the beginning of May, you're telling them that you can't deliver them till the first week of July. People were getting a little frustrated. I think
2: I'm so intrigued by the people doing bribes. Like, did you think that would work? Or
0: (laughs) and it happened more than once. You have to keep a sense of humor about the whole thing. And a few of our salespeople would give me a call. One person. He did get offered, I think it was $1,000 he actually got oh offered. God. Someone said, you know, if you bump my order up, I'll give you $1,000. And he called me up and he's like, well, what do you think about this? And I said, no, back of the line. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> immediate back of the line. Because, you know, I mean, the whole thing is, and there was other suppliers like ourselves. I mean, we weren't the only ones doing it and we weren't the only ones going through it. But, you know, you walk into work on a Monday and everything seems fine until about two o'clock. And then all of a sudden you're walking through the factory and you see somebody sitting there and they, they start coughing or they look a little teary eyed and, oh gosh, here we go. Right. I mean, we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we take that, part, we, we ask some questions and as the post said, we were measuring oxygen levels every morning. we were taking temperatures every morning. We we're asking a lot of questions with people. And nobody ever had a playbook for this before. We had no idea what to do. I mean, what can we do? What legally can we do? Can we send somebody home without pay? Can we send somebody home with pay? How long can we send them home for? How does FMLA work? I mean, nobody knew.
2: Yeah. I just think about when we set up for Clearmount. To give you a little background, my sister works for us and her husband is immunocompromised. And so when we are going, okay, we need a plan, we're just like, okay, well, she's the most schooled on all of this at this point, because right in March, we sent her home, we're just like, it's too high of a risk, you can work remotely, you'll stay there. And so she was the one that came up with our plan. She was in HR conferences all the time, she was reading everything, and it was all that legal stuff that you don't think about of this factor, that factor. How did you end up with your plan of like what worked for your space?
0: First and foremost, at that point, you just do what you think is right.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You take care of your people, the people that have been with you, your core group for a long time. We had some people that were a higher age group that just didn't feel comfortable coming back into a factory setting. We had set them up with sewing machines in their homes. And we had people shuttling back and forth, picking up and dropping off materials. Your employees tell you a lot. Our group was really managing themselves. Someone was wearing a mask in the factory and they'd keep the mask below their nose, and the other employees would be all over them about it. Right? Until the point where if they didn't listen, we just have to send them home. Say, you're going home. If you're not going to listen, you're going to go home. The situation that happened, as mentioned in the post, with the person driving to work, I mean, we had situations where. Someone's daughter was working at Home Depot and that specific location had some cases go through and they had to close down and they called us up at night and what do we do? We said, unfortunately, you got to stay home. And you got to remember at this time, testing wasn't even readily available, right? So it was a 14 day stay at home firm. So we just kind of just, I hate to say wing it, but I, I really don't know what else you need. Just do what's right to protect the greater group if somebody did go home we checked in with them if not once maybe twice a day to make sure everything was okay honestly we did have some people that not through our factory but through outside sources came down with covid and they understood the importance of it so they actively called us and told us look you know i can't come to work and when am i allowed to come back and we just said 14 days that's that's when you can come back and then we had to fill those gaps we had to fill those holes you know through either hours or overtime, whatever it takes just to get it done. You know, As I mentioned, we redesigned the factory three times and I want to say probably four weeks, four or five weeks. And it was all because of that where you just kind of stand back and you watch your production floor and you realize that, oh, wait a minute, over in this packing department, you've got plexiglass kind of dividing everyone apart. And wait a minute, they're getting a little bit too close to each other. And, you know, uh, we, we got to do something about that. So everyone goes home at night and we all stay and start moving tables around and <laughs> redoing everything again. And they come back in the morning. Everyone's like, well, where do I go? <laughs> right?
2: Well, this is the thing. In a factory space, you spend so much time thinking about how to maximize every square foot of that place, mm-hmm. even if it's just holding inventory is how much inventory can you cram into that small space? And now you're looking at it being, how do I get these people farther apart from each other? How do I make sure no one touches, breathes in each other's area? It's kind of goes against your training for years.
0: Oh, it, in every way. It totally eliminated the whole idea of efficiency in every way possible. Yeah. And everything that we've learned and everything we've been taught. But I think our group and our production manager, Isaac, he did a fantastic job. We developed a way that we actually kept all of our materials. We created this sewing department where we just, had this center point and everybody worked from their own station. What we eliminated is we eliminated the need for anybody to go to anybody else's station. So somebody would print something and they would bring that print material to this center point. And then the sewer would go from their station to the center point to pick up their material. You know, then everything would go back to the table and then our trimmers would go from the trimming part, and come to the center point, pick up the material. So if you can kind of imagine a sunburst, the solar system's in the middle, and everything is waiting there for people to get. And people are just making these trips back and forth. And we stationed everything in a factory to make sure that nobody really passed each other while they were doing that. And that's really the best way that we could see to accomplish it. And we're very fortunate because we had minimal cases. We haven't, knock on wood, had anything come through the factory. We did not allow our office staff to come back to the factory. They all work remotely because it was just a greater risk. We get a lot of calls for customers, distributors be like, well, I want to come pick up my order. We're like, no, 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 please don't, 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 don't. We'll ship it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) And honestly, I know so many suppliers for that. I know one supplier who is just like, we're just going to have one person come in and it's just going to be UPS. So. If it's not UPS, then you can give us a UPS code or we can ship on ours, but we're not having the only point of contact will be a UPS person, which is so interesting because you're just like, okay, sure. (laughs) But it is, it's all those tiny, unprecedented things where you would think you would never stop different shippers from coming or stop people from picking up their stuff when you're right around
0: the corner. And on top of that, I mean, the supply chain was broken, right? Mm Mm-hmm. There was not one inch of elastic to be found in the United States, right? So (laughs) my uh, problem is plexi (laughs) or plexiglass. I mean plexiglass at at the same time. And then when you're trying to get other raw materials and supplies that you need just to run your equipment, whether it be a pair of scissors or or anything, you know, everybody at that point was shut down. So we had to find ways to do it. We had to dial to find a pencil sharpener, whatever. (laughs) We spent a lot of time doing it because it was so much uncertainty. In the end, it worked out well and it has worked out well for us. I think when we get back to that post and why I wrote it is there was a point where we actually had some of our machinery go down and it was in combination at that point. We also had some, it was the first time I think that we had a whole bunch of things happen all at the same time that was going to make us a few days late in orders and we were totally shipping on time. Up until that point, and to our employees' credit for keeping everything going, so we had to make some phone calls to tell some of our distributors that their order was going to be a day or two late. And some of the reactions we got, and and I got because I got on the phone as well, were just too much. It was just it was as if the world was ending. And I think after you know you go through two months of that kind of pressure for me personally, and going in every day and making sure that everything is okay and your employees are confident. That's a huge thing, making sure the employees are confident in the decisions that we're making as an organization and that they feel safe coming to work. Because at the end of the day, they have to go back home to their families, right? And to feel that level a little bit at that point, I felt a little bit unappreciated. I know our employees and our customer service team was just kind of like, wow, this got real, really fast. People are not happy. And it was just before Memorial Day weekend, and I rattled that off. And, and the response was pretty tremendous. And I give a lot of credit to our friendly competitors in the industry. Because if you look at a lot of the stuff that was said on there, it came from a lot of people in our position, a lot of suppliers in the industry that felt the same way, frankly.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's definitely a lot of people, friendly competitors, that had nothing but outpouring and support and not saying, oh, can you give us an order to us and anything like that? It was definitely super professional. And if I'm putting on my distributor hat, I can't believe that this pressure, you know, the pressure that you are made to feel and can't imagine how like every day was a new learning experience and still is. I mean, we're not out of this at all. And I think we all have a lot to learn from all of this. But I know for us, we were trying to get ahead of the PPE and definitely proactively selling probably before a little bit everyone else was and really telling our clients to plan. So again, having that, Conversation about educating your clients and just like, listen, you might be opening up again, but you're going to be needing this for three months, four months, five months, a year, two years. We don't know when you're going to feel comfortable leaving without a mask on or PPE and trying to have those conversations really early. I think that helps in some of our transactions and experiences with our clients. I also will say, and I'm not at all defending the way anyone treated you, but I think as a distributor, we all felt so relieved and in awe that our industry could provide this solution for so many people. And I know I felt really proud that we could source this for companies and that we were vetting it with proper vendors and following safety protocol and making sure, you know, it wasn't even just the safety from a getting sick perspective. It's also like, is this passing compliance tests? Are these completely safe? For us, we were having those conversations with our clients. And so I think when we saw the excitement about our industry and so many suppliers offering it, We were trying to sell it to our clients and trying to keep our businesses alive and then telling our clients we can get it and then saying, but it's going to take seven weeks. And so again, if you're doing it right, you're educating your client and explaining why and why you should plan. But if you're not doing it right, yeah, you might look foolish for not telling about the lead times and why the lead times are like that and what was going on with air freight and all those other behind the scenes things. It wasn't just about an order that was taking too long. It was about that conversation that would help educate.
0: Yeah. And when everybody's panicking, you know, trying to figure out what to do or when you're going to open, when your state's going to let you open, and you got to be prepared. I imagine your customers were very much in the same boat we were. We had us and other factories in our similar shoes. Actually, it was a benefit for us that by the time a lot of companies had opened up, we'd already been doing this for two or three months.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we had kind of run through the circus part of it and got things. Down. I remember one funny conversation was someone I was dealing with on a very large order, and they would call me up at night and say, "Well, I think they wanted to order eighty thousand or hundred thousand masks, and when can you deliver these by?" And I said, "Oh, I can deliver them within, you know, four weeks." Okay. And then they call the next day, and client wants to make sure you can deliver within four weeks. I said, "No, it's now seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, why? Why can't you?" Well. It's been 24 hours since I spoke to you. We've booked about 200,000 masks since then. And, sends, so.
1: and yes, the world's changing by the second. And air freight boats were changing by the second. I remember those weeks, and we're still in it. Oh, we're
2: still in the thick of it. I find it so funny. I was looking at a post from a while ago, and I was like, how naive of us to think that this would just be over in six weeks, and we'd be right? fine. And-
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: But you know what? COVID just became this. It was every answer was like COVID and a shrug to like, why is it this way? What's happening with that? And, you know, shipping went weird. Supply (laughs) chain went weird. And, you know, again, we're still in the thick of it and it's sort of like, okay, well, why is this happening? COVID shrug.
0: Yeah, You know, I'll tell you guys something funny. We had when we first started, I think we had enough material to do about 140, 150,000 masks for the one we were selling at that point. And, That was kind of our window. It was like, all right, let's see what we could do with this. And again, provide a place to work. But it it went so crazy and the supply chains were so broken, we couldn't even get material here. And we couldn't get anything booked on on airlines because the airlines had all been canceled. So nothing was flying back and forth from overseas. So (laughs) we had to get creative. When we were actually shipping, we had a weight limit and we still have a weight limit to what we can ship from overseas using UPS and FedEx. They give us a certain amount that we could do per day, and that amount was changing every single day. So it might be 100 pounds on a Monday, it might be 200 pounds on a Tuesday, and 25 pounds on a Wednesday. So try to plan your inventory buys with that. We got to the point where we were shipping individual rolls on FedEx and UPS and just hoping that one of them would arrive.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness
0: well how many pounds does two rolls weigh okay get them out do it Send them. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: it's, yeah it's so true so much has changed in this retrospective of like we're let's say we're six cents in now so we're recording this September 8th so what would you have changed right from the beginning with the hindsight you have now what do you wish you'd done faster or more creatively or Just hadn't done it all.
0: Again, our team collectively, Todd and Isaac and our sales team and our order processing and marketing team, they did so much so fast. I really don't think that I could ever expect. We pivoted so quickly. We were just very fortunate. We were very lucky that we had the stuff, materials, and the machinery that we had at that time. I think if I were to look back in the course prior to March, that third week of March when we had to shut down, there was about a two month window prior to that that I was having weekly, if not every other night, conversations with again friends over in China and Australia and the United Kingdom, and I would have read the warning signs better. You know, I should have paid attention when I have friends that own suppliers in Australia are exporting their hand sanitizer back to China because they can't run out. Or they're making masks because they can't make them fast enough in other parts of Asia, and their business turns so quickly. So if there's a lesson that I think we could have learned is that we would have paid attention to that and not have been so arrogant to think that it wouldn't come here. I think our eyes should have been much more wide open, if you will, in which case we would have been prepared and already had at least everything ready and our staff ready to do what we needed to do. But our team is a great team. They did an amazing job. Everybody was all in and and our marketing team did marketing campaigns that would probably taken them a month in the past. They did in twenty four hours renderings and samples and you know just writing copy and our sales team learning about products and actively getting out there and our entire sales team stopped working on accounts. everybody just became customer service and Nobody complained. Everyone just did an amazing job. So I don't think that that part we could have done a lot better. I think on a leadership role, myself and Todd, perhaps we should have seen not COVID itself and how bad it was, but we had warning signs. We had people going through about two months before. We should have recognized that it was coming our way pretty quick.
2: Interesting. And with everything still going on. I saw a joke, it was like, we're on day 10,000 of the pandemic, Is which fingers crossed, knock on wood, like all of that. How do you fight COVID exhaustion within your staff of making sure that people stay as vigilant and as on top of it as they were right in, let's say, March? How do you sort of make sure everyone maintains the safety protocols and don't get into the mindset of, my favorite joke is the pandemic isn't over just because you're over it. And how do you keep good energy in your staff?
0: You know, one thing that happens when there's a catastrophe is there's always people that rise to the occasion. And those are usually the people you least expected to be. We had certain people that we thought were going to rise and they didn't. And we had some people that we never even considered that rose really quickly. And we promoted those people really fast. And those people really became our eyes and ears on the floor and in a situation where maybe we would have had one or two supervisors, we're running four or five, and just communicating with the staff every single day. There'd be points where I, I think I was walking through the factory one day and I think uh, I was at allergies at the end of spring there. And I had people coming up to me saying, are you okay? Do you need to go home? So they were managing me too, right? <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> right? Or, you know, Jason, you've been here for like 21 days in a row. I think you need to go take a break. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and likewise, so we managed each other. That's really what it was, is everybody managed each other. And, you know, if people weren't following the rules, then for the greater good, you know, people would Tell them, say, hey, this person's not listening. We continue to tell them and they continue not to listen. And then, okay, you got to go. Sorry, right? (laughs) It's just that simple.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I know, like mentally checking in too, just whether you're working together at the same company or have a colleague, I can't tell you how many times there was texts or exchanges between Kate and I just saying like, are you okay? What's going on? Mm -hmm. This burnout was real during, or still is during those like hard months. Yeah. So let's talk about present day at Toddy. What does it look like today? What do you see for the next few days and weeks there?
0: Well, things have definitely leveled off. The demand are back down to regular production time. We have worked really hard to build on not just masks, but other PPE type items that are, you know, something that we can in our wheelhouse. But we also realized, and not just realized, but we're hopeful that there'll be an end to this someday. So you know, we've been very fortunate to date. So we've made some investments as a company into some machinery that we've recently had delivered and we're working on now that's going to allow us to expand our product offering, make things more efficient. And that same equipment we'll be able to use when things do open up and a lot more promotional items will be being sold that will allow us to build our product line that way. Right now, I mean, I think we've got about 12 PPE type items. We're releasing about one a week. We've sent out eight new items in six weeks, and we're just, as a group, our whole team just comes up with ideas, and we make those ideas a reality in, in a week or two, and we're manufacturing. So we have a lot more control when we're manufacturing as opposed to ordering something from overseas and keeping an inventory on our shelves. We're literally manufacturing from scratch. So as long as we're careful about that, knock on wood, things have been pretty good for us. Again, we're still not looking at months ahead. We're not looking at years ahead. We're looking at weeks ahead. And right now, we're really focused on what's going to drive us basically until November. What can we do to make sure that we can continue keep everybody working and keep everybody whole, if you will, up until the point where we start seeing some more of these promotional product sales come through? We are seeing a little bit now. We are seeing a little uptick in that. So I feel pretty good about that. But we've got a lot of new products out there, and we're going to continue to build. And a lot of investments that we've made into our infrastructure that allow us to do a lot more as Toddy Gear as a brand in the very near future, product-wise.
2: So Jason, I just want you to kind of give context for everyone listening who doesn't really have experience with this. So you're saying that you're launching so many products within six weeks. How long in before times would it take you to conceive of a product, test it? figure out how to manufacture it and launch it. Like what is that usual timeframe for you?
0: Thank God, my marketing team isn't on this call. <laughs> so in, in my rule book, it was always the shortest we could do it is probably in two to three months. And the eyes of really doing it correctly and beginning to finish is you really need about, I would say six to eight for everything that you have to do to do it 100% correctly. And, and as I mentioned, We're doing products, you know, we come up with an idea on a Monday and within 10 to 14 days, it's it's hitting the industry. That's just the speed at which everybody is working at right now. So yeah, fast forward. I mean, this is our new reality. You know, we see an opportunity and, you know, it was hand sanitizer at first and then it's masks. What's it going to be next? You know, it's going to be touch tools. Okay. What's great after touch tools? It's going to be plexi masks. We have no idea what it's going to be. So we have to react quickly so that we can capture that moment, if you will. And again, everybody realizes that. Everybody sees it. I wouldn't say we're cutting corners because our marketing team definitely does not cut corners, but our production team are actively bringing ideas to us every single day. Our sewers are sewing new things. Hey, I thought of this last night. I came in this morning and I sewed it. Let me know what you think. Hey, that's a great product. Let's get it out to market. Marketing, how long do you got? Can you get out next week? You got to be kidding me. Nope. All right. Thank you.
2: How about eight days?
0: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's the new normal. And and I'm sure everybody's going through the same thing right now.
2: Oh, yeah. The keywords used to be unprecedented and pivot, and now it's nimble and creative. It's like, what are you doing now? What's coming up next? What are you coming up with, too? So it's it's strange times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a funny story. We had a, a whole bunch of inventory of these plastic cases that we sold another item from. And we started seeing some stuff on the promotional products, the same thing that I posted on, on Facebook. And someone was looking for something to hold a mask. And I said, wait, we've got about 80,000 of these things in stock, and a mask fits perfectly in this thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's put them together and what's the cost? All right, marketing, you got three days, get it out. They're like,
2: what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's, yep. <yeah.
0: laughs> so uh, creative is definitely, definitely part. of it. In every sense of the word, it's been a team effort from the people that pack our orders to the people that do our accounting. It's just, everybody's really chipped in and, and saw the greater good and felt the responsibility to keep each other afloat. I think we had one conference call where it was just like everyone was exhausted. And we were just talking about this a few minutes ago. And we were talking about, you know, life preservers. And we said, look, we got enough life preservers for everybody here now. But if you got to jump the ship, then just give me that life preserver back because I got someone else over here that might want to use it.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, thank gosh, no one did. Everyone stuck through it and everyone worked super hard and still is still is,
1: Awesome. And one thing you've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast is that you have a great team and I can attest to that, to the fact that Toddy is a great company and you do have a good team. And in that post, a lot of what was sparked too, it's just like the respect people had for you for looking out for your team and not just for yourself and saying, I'm tired. This sucks. This stinks. How dare you? You said, I'm here to protect my team. We're working really hard. And there was just such a great voice of leadership Throughout that, and I can't imagine your team really appreciated as well because you were really looking out for them, and that goes a long way. Oh, thank you. As we wrap this up, what can you tell distributors like myself that we don't know, and what can we learn about the next few months and how things might change, and what can we do to better work with you?
0: Ah, great question. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is we don't know what the next bubble is going to be. Is really preparing the clients the days of you know, taking weeks and months to make a decision. For now, at this point in time, they're really over. And I think we need to educate our clients that, you know, whatever we promise today may not be able to be upheld tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. In the past, that was always used as a closing tool on the sales side. You know, I, I don't know if I can promise the same production time tomorrow as I can today, but it's an actual reality today. If an announcement comes out, you know, In two weeks from now that says, okay, all schools are opening up, there's going to be another mad rush for masks again. And those five, seven, 10-day production times are going to go up to three, four, five weeks again. And that's just going to be the reality of it. So if you have clients that are really thinking about what they're going to do if scenario A happens or scenario B happens, get those plans together. And I would say, consult them to be ready to execute as soon as how the horizon is defined. As soon as they can see it, execute that plan quickly so that you can get into the front of the line and make sure that you're taking care of the people that keep your organization going.
1: Really? Just overall be cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not that hard to do. If you try. <laughs>
1: it's COVID times. <laughs> so thank you for answering our questions. Is there anything else you want to add or let people know where they can find you?
0: Yeah, you can always give us a call. We're happy to chat. we got a little bit more time on our hands these days. Our website, com. Always got new stuff coming and up online, so please take a look. And if you're finding yourself in the dumps and you need someone to talk to, feel free to give one of our people a call. They're all real nice, and hopefully they can make you feel better by the time you get off phone. <laughs> I love
1: that. Amazing, Jason, we... Really appreciate this. And on behalf of everyone in the community and this industry, we do appreciate everything you guys are doing and it doesn't go unnoticed.
0: Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.